Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Solomon and the Queen of Sheba as we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 6. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. So interesting, she sees the whole thing and she she says, hey, they didn't tell me, I didn't believe it when they told me of all that was here, but hey, they didn't even tell me half the story. It's fantastic. Oh, blessed and happy are the people who can just sit here and listen to your wisdom and all. And then, blessed be the Lord thy God. Now, no doubt at this point in his life, Solomon was still walking with the Lord and honoring God because she saw the way he ascended into the place of worship and all. And, and he was still right on. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. And evidently Solomon was, was doing it because as she sees the whole thing, she actually praises God. Blessed be God. Uh, He was just really at this point in his life right on. But unfortunately, his disobedience to God caused a lapse uh, in his worship and in his dedication to God later on. Now, he also developed another navy to ply the waters of the Mediterranean. Uh, The first navy was down in the area of the Persian Gulf and all and would go down to Africa on the east coast of Africa, the Ivory Coast. And the other navy uh, went out uh, to the Mediterranean and covered the area of the Mediterranean going as far as England and bringing back peacocks and and gold and rare trees and so forth. And so Solomon actually just had all of this glory and wealth and all that was coming in. Now, the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. Interesting number. Beside that, he had all of the spices that the merchants brought from the kings of Arabia. And he made 200 and Targets of beaten gold, 600 shekels of gold went into one target. He made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three pounds of gold went into each shield. Can you imagine that? 300 shields of gold, three pounds each. Boy, at today's market prices. Then he made this fantastic throne, six steps leading up to the throne, He made it of ivory and overlaid it with gold, uh, with two lions that were carved there beside it. His drinking vessels were all of gold. Nothing was silver, for silver was accounted as nothing in Solomon's days. The king had the navy for Tarshish and the other one for Africa and great riches, and it tells of all the glory and so forth of Solomon. Verse 28, And Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt, linen yarn. The king's merchants received yarn for a price. 
Chapter 11, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, and Hittites. Now turn back for a moment to Deuteronomy chapter 17, beginning with verse 14. Here under the law, 400 years before the time of David, before the time of Solomon, God foresaw that the day would come when the people would demand a king. And so even in the law, God gave certain commandments for the kings. When you are come into the land which the Lord thy God gives you, thou shalt possess and shall possess it, and you're dwelling there, and you will say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among your brothers shall you set as the king, that you may not set a stranger over thee. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself. Why? that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write a copy of the law of the book which is before the priest of the Levites. And it shall be that he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn the fear of the Lord his God to keep the words of the Lord and his statutes. Now Solomon, you know, just disobeyed in all cases. First of all, he multiplied horses. He had 40,000 horses. He began to go down to Egypt. Uh, verse 28, had horses brought out of Egypt. And then chapter 11, he loved many strange women. And we are told in, that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And we've been reading how he multiplied gold and silver around Jerusalem. He did exactly those things that God said he should not do. Now, the reason why the Lord said the kings shouldn't do these things, lest their hearts be turned away from the Lord. And what happened to Solomon? His heart was turned away from the Lord. There is an old saying that declares the dice of the gods are loaded, by which they are saying you cannot go against God's word and win. God has established his word, and you cannot, you cannot violate the word of God and, and win. Anytime you violate God's word, you are a loser. And Solomon, with all of his wisdom, all of his blessings, disobeyed the commandment of the Lord, and just as God said, it happened. His heart was turned away from the Lord, verse 3, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. And it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not completely towards Jehovah his God, as was the heart of David his father. Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, 
and Melcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, did not go fully after the Lord as David his father. And then Solomon built a high place for Shemash, the abomination of Moab in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all of his strange wives which burnt incense and sacrificed their gods. So for each of his wives, he, he built a little shrine, a worship shrine, that they might worship the gods that were native to their own ethnic groups. And his heart wasn't fully towards Jehovah, his God, and, and his wives turned him away from the Lord. So the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord, the God of Israel, that had appeared to him twice. And he commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and you have not kept the covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and give it to thy servant. However, it will not happen in your days, but it will happen in the days of your son. So the Lord stirred up, began to stir up adversaries against Solomon. The first adversary was Hadad, who was an Edomite. Now David had just about exterminated all of the males in Edom. In fact, Joab stayed down there for six months to make sure that they killed all of the men. But one of the princes of Edom, whose name was Hadad, escaped down to Egypt, and there he married the daughter of the Pharaoh in Egypt, and he became a very powerful man. When he heard that David and Joab were dead, then he requested the Pharaoh that he might be able to go back to Edom. And the Pharaoh said, what's the matter? You know, you've got everything here. Why would you want to go back there? But Hadad assisted and came back to Edom, gathered a company of men, and he began to make excursions against the southern borders of Israel and harassment against Solomon. The other one who began to harass Solomon was up in the area of Damascus. And he also began to harass Solomon in the northern borders of their land. Now, beginning with verse 26, we find that Jeroboam lifted up his hand against the king. And Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And when Solomon saw that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all of the charge of the house of Joseph, which would be the northern part. It came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh found him there in the way, and he had just bought him a new robe. And Ahijah grabbed hold of the robe, and he ripped the thing. And then he ripped it into 12 pieces, and he gave unto Jeroboam ten pieces. And he said, Thus the Lord is going to tear the kingdom away from Solomon and from the house of David, and the Lord is going to give you ten tribes to rule over, and he's going to just leave one tribe for the house of David. That is one tribe outside of Judah. And so the southern kingdom was Judah and Benjamin, and the northern kingdom, of course, were the other ten tribes. They 
comprised the kingdom that became known as Israel, and the southern two uh, became known as Judah. So here is the prophecy of Ahijah to Jeroboam, the fact that he is going to become the ruler and the king over ten of the tribes of Israel. And so the rest of the Acts of Solomon, all that he did, his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the Acts of Solomon? Now here is a book of the Bible that we do not have. There are many books that are mentioned that we do not have. They would add perhaps somewhat to the color uh, and the life history of Solomon if we could only find one of these books, the Acts of Solomon, uh, the wisdom of this man. Uh, we do have the book of Proverbs. We do have the Song of Solomon. He wrote 1,005 songs. We have one in the Bible, the Song of Solomon. I've never counted the number of Proverbs that we have in the book of Proverbs, but he actually wrote 3,000 Proverbs. We do have the book of the Proverbs, but there is also another book, the Acts of Solomon, that we do not have that records much of his wisdom and all. It would be very interesting to have, but we really don't need it for God's revelation to us uh, of his purposes and all. So Solomon slept with his fathers, was buried in the city of David, his father, and Rehoboam, his son, raised in his stead. Now, Rehoboam came to Shechem, and all Israel gathered to Shechem, which is just about the center of the land, just about the heart of the country. And they gathered to make him king. Jeroboam, who was in Egypt, heard of the death of Solomon, for he had fled to Egypt from Solomon. And they sent and called Jeroboam. And all of the congregation of Israel came to Rehoboam, and they said, now look, when your dad was alive, he overtaxed us. And we are just tired of this heavy taxation, and we want some tax relief. And so Rehoboam said, give me three days to think about it. And they said, all right. So he went to his older counselors, those men that had counseled his father Solomon. And he said, what shall I do? And they said, you better listen to them and give them some tax relief. What they are saying is correct. The taxes are a burden. They're too high. The people are going to revolt if you don't give them some tax relief. And so he went to his young counselors, the young guys that he grew up with, and he said, look, these guys are wanting tax relief. What shall we do? And they said, don't give in to their request. If you do, they're going to only come back for more later. So you got to be firm, and you just go out and tell them that they haven't seen anything yet, that you're going to even be more severe than your father Solomon. That actually... What they saw under your dad was nothing compared with what's coming. So he went out and spoke roughly to them. He said, my father chastised you with whips. I'm going to chastise you with scorpions. And, and, and just went on and, and spoke very roughly to them. And the people said, what have we to do with you, house of David? And they said, to your tents, O Israel. And so... The, the tribes of Israel at that point uh, revolted and, 
And Rehoboam headed down to Jerusalem, to the safety of Jerusalem, when he heard that the, the people were in an uproar. And so he gathered together an army, and the Lord spoke to them and told them not to uh, start a war at that time. And so uh, the kingdom was divided, and this is an important point in the history of the nation. The northern kingdom, as I said, was called Israel. Unfortunately, they did not have one decent king. Israel was plagued with idolatry from the beginning. Judah had some good kings, some excellent kings, and some bad kings. Israel never had any good kings at all. They went from bad to worse. But at least in Judah, they did have some decent kings who did bring reforms there in Judah. But the kingdoms were never united again. The northern kingdom fell first because of its idolatry and all. It fell first to Assyria. Later on, about 500 B.C., the southern kingdom fell to Babylon. Later, there was a regathering, of course, after the Babylonian captivity. But the people of Judah never fully accepted the people of Samaria as true, full brothers because the Samaritans could not really bring out their genealogy to prove that they were Jews all the way back. And so there came, and even at the time of Christ, there was sharp division between the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, and they were both claiming that they had the right place to worship God. Uh, in Samaria is where Abraham first built the altar there at Shechem unto the Lord, and they claimed that Mount Gerizim was the only mountain on which to worship God, whereas the Jews were saying, no, God should be worshiped on Mount Moriah there in Jerusalem. And there was this big conflict between them, even at the time of Christ. Now, the prophecy of Ezekiel, when he prophesies the rebirth of the nation Israel, which we have been privileged to observe, when he prophesied that God was going to take these bones that were dry and scattered and bring them together and put them in the land again and make a nation of them, he said that he saw one stick for Joseph and one stick for Judah and that actually they would be no longer two but one. And so what God was prophesying there in Ezekiel is that when the children of Israel became a nation again, which they did in 1948, that they would no longer be a divided kingdom. There would no longer be the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, but they would be just one nation, one king over them all. And thus, of course, is the case today. Israel is a united nation and uh, one ruler ruling over the whole nation, but they don't have... Uh, the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, that won't exist again. That is over. That's a part of the past history 
that won't be repeated because uh, God promised that there would be just one nation in the land. <laughs> of course, Joseph Smith said that one stick for Joseph was actually his name is in the Bible, and that one stick was the Book of the Mormon that Joseph Smith was going to bring to all the people. If you can believe that, you can believe anything. No, read it in its context. It's, 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 I, I'm surprised that people would go for that. And so Jeroboam became the king over Israel. And he built Shechem. Now, Shechem was already there. It means that he built a wall around Shechem. And actually, the wall of the city of Shechem, is, is, is remnants of it are still there today. And he built Penuel. But he said to himself, the people are apt to be drawn back to the king of Judah, especially if they go down to Jerusalem for the holy days. They go down for the Passover and so forth. Their hearts are going to be drawn back after Rehoboam, and I'm going to be in trouble. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of 1 Kings on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Kings 11 through 12 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and watch over you as you go forth in the name of Jesus, to bear witness of God's love and God's truth to an indifferent world. May your week be filled with God's blessings as the Lord guides you step by step in the fulfilling of his purpose and his plan that he has for you this week, that which he wants you to accomplish for his glory. So God be with you and keep you in the love of Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I'd like to tell you about a book written by Chuck Smith entitled Living Water. In this book, Pastor Chuck explains how God has the power to change your life through His Holy Spirit. This book will help you to understand how the Holy Spirit works in your life, covering such topics as who is the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do, what are the gifts of the Spirit, and how should I respond. 
It's Pastor Chuck's desire that by God's grace and through this book, the Lord will develop in you a hunger and thirst for the things after the Spirit that will help you come into a deeper and personal relationship with Him, transforming your life. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Living Water by Chuck Smith. Or if you'd like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD. That's 800-272-9673.